Welcome to Revenue Strategy. I'm your host, Nitha Bitway. Hey there, we are here today to talk about SEO from the perspective of someone who isn't an SEO, but is a revenue generator and a driver of business strategy. And I think there are probably more of us in that category um, listening to this uh, than people who are just uh, experts in SEO. Um, part of what I wanted to talk about today is really around the evolution of this discipline. It's obviously been a core part of marketing for the last two decades. And yet I think any SEO expert, really any um, savvy marketer will tell you that digital marketing is in the middle of a huge uh, generational transformation. And that's because gatekeepers like Google and Apple and others have really changed their own worldview. Or in the case of Google, they may have had a worldview that they, where they formerly lacked the tools to implement um, their goals. And today their technology is so advanced that they're able to. And what I mean by that is that we have moved the paradigm of search from a world of understanding what rules-based algorithms do and how they work to a world of machine learning, which is more about desired outcomes on the part of the um, the engineers or the developers, you know, building the building ML but there's less of an understanding of what actually goes into the formula. There's more of a goal of this is what good looks like. That's super important because in, when you think of SEO, what that means is that this world is no longer one where we should be thinking about weighted rankings for inputs and, and making sure that we really get the formula. Um, and that's because nobody knows the formula. I think anyone you know who's, uh, who's in this space who's uh, on the more progressive side or, or you know, affiliated in any way with, with Google um, would say that too, that that's just not how machine learning works. And so I think it brings us back to the broader question of what we're trying to do as business strategists and as marketers, and to think more about the totality of our approach when it comes to the customer. Customers are looking for great products that solve real problems at a reasonable price point. And our job as marketers is to really figure out how to educate them, how to deliver value, how to communicate value, um, and how to build credibility and trust in our brands. So our opportunity as a brand is to really align with the overarching goal of search, and particularly for Google, but I think Bing is also um, thinking about this to the extent that that's you know, our primary search tool for you. The goal is identifying the best answers and the best information that meets the needs of the customers. That's Google's point of view. So our point of view as people driving revenue strategy and building websites and content and other things is to echo that. We need to have the best information that answers questions and meets the needs of the customers. It's just that simple. One way to um, to kind of dig into this and, and uh, think about it, uh, I think in, in more detail, is that it's important to really understand what some of the problems are, um, kind of if you look at the world of, of SEO today. Um, one of the issues from my perspective is that a lot of times there are goals for SEO, for optimization um, that really don't align with customer acquisition or revenue goals or, or more short-term goals that, are, that I often see used um, in companies I work with and uh, that include things like traffic or share of voice um, there might also be, you know, a, 
some interest in things like rank coverage, TAM coverage. I've seen things like technical scorecards and there's accessibility of um, link quality, sorry, assessments of link quality, those kinds of things. Instead of those metrics, which can be really tactical and only tell you part of the story, I would highly encourage you to think more broadly about things like time on page, scroll depth, bounce rates. Um, there's other ways that what you really should be trying to do with any content or any pages on your website is to measure efficacy. Just getting share of voice or going after a huge keyword with a large TAM makes no sense when those words don't actually convert to your revenue. And I don't even mean direct conversion. I mean, at any point in time during you know your customer acquisition life cycle, um, if those words are not actually performing, there's a good chance that you have picked words that um, fall into a large TAM. So like maybe you worked with, um, with an agency and they said, oh gosh, there's 100,000 keywords a month on this uh, monthly search volume. We should go after this. Well, if you know 1% of those or less is doing anything for you, like there's, there's really no point in going after that. It's, it's just not worth your while. So I really caution against an overbroad keyword TAM um, particularly if that TAM is not aligned with customer intent. So I would look for things that really tell you um, what users are focused on. And one of the major reasons to do that is Google is an intent channel. And so by the time someone gets to search and they're really you know, looking for something, especially if it's longer tail, they're ready to go. They're, maybe they're making a purchase decision. Maybe it's a little bit farther up the funnel. They're, they're problem aware, but they're not yet solution committed, that kind of thing. Um, and so it's important to make sure that your research uh, about your customer, what they need, their pain points, how they think, all that you know needs to be um, super current. And you need to really think about it, whether you're looking at it from your segments or um, thinking about it from a, a problem set that the customer would actually find to be useful. This is a really important time to be thinking empathetically because if you're focused on this from you know your own product only, you're going to miss the boat. You're going to go after, you know, large TAM keywords that do nothing for you and are just not a great use of your time in this day and age. Um, what that means from a content perspective is that your content has to educate customers. It has to answer real questions. It cannot be focused on keyword stuffing and bulk link building. Um, and I think that if you are in a world where you are still focused on those things, like that is just not going to serve you and you're going to see a slow and steady decline in rankings and a lack of utility um, or conversion um, from customers. Because again, those are no longer the proxies that Google cares about when they're directing uh, users to your uh, to your page. It's just, it's not going to perform for you long-term in the rankings. Even if, you know, you've got a great optimization game in the short run, like this is just not a long-term strategy unless somehow you've lucked into, you know, keywords that happen to meet um, you know, long-term user needs. But I, I think for the folks that are trying to figure out how to do this better, that's you're probably not at that state yet. Um, the other thing to kind of think about too is there's there's often something that marketers, I think we we sometimes struggle about the goals between branded and non-branded search. And I think it's important to think of both of these because they have slightly different purposes. And it's just important to keep in mind that like you need both of them. And Branded search is super valuable because you, hopefully if you've been you know, doing great marketing, there is a host of work that you've done to educate your customer and create awareness um, about how you, know, you might be able to help solve their problem. And that drives branded search, right? I think that sometimes people get um, 
hung up on organic or non-branded search terms and they miss the utility and value that comes with branded search. But branded search is not coming to you because you're doing, you know, branded SEO terms. That's that's like a downstream benefit of it. You have to do the work higher up to actually build trust and awareness for those brand terms to become more valuable because nobody would even know to search for you unless you, you know, they knew about your alphabet soup widget or whatever the company is that you're selling for. Um, I think the other the other thing that's um, that's just super important and I think is worth emphasizing is just that user intent is the most important thing to Google. I know I, I spoke about that a little bit earlier, um, but one thing that that I spend some time looking at and I would encourage everyone to, even though it's two years old now, is to take a look at the guidance from Google they issued in 2019, the EAT guidelines. If you're not familiar with those, um, you certainly should be. I think that. Um, they're very explicit in the direction that they're giving us as marketers and business leaders. Um, and EAT stands for expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. All of that's really important. And I think it's easy to just say like, oh yeah, sure, like everyone wants that. But now that Google has become so sophisticated, they actually can and do assess websites based on that. And we can get into that a little bit later. Um, some, of the, um, some of the other things I wanted to kind of talk about there's a lot of insights that I've come across in the last um, several months that I think are helpful and they uh, have shaped my own thinking on the state of search as it stands currently. Here are a couple of them. One is natural language processing and machine learning have made huge strides in the past several years. Several years ago, I actually worked at a company that was in the cyberspace that, um, that did some of this work. And even at that time, like just the the level of sophistication of what um, machines can understand when it comes to human communication uh, is pretty tremendous. And that, you know, that was more than five or six years ago. So the, the technology and the, the power of these tools has, has really moved beyond that. And the reason I say this is Google is now using NLP in its algorithm. So that is how they are able to determine if content is actually useful to users. And it's important because it means that instead of the old days when it links or the authoritative proxies, there's a more direct, uh, direct from the computer's perspective or the algorithm's perspective means of, of assessing user utility, even if it feels less direct to us as marketers who maybe are used to having um, bulk linking building programs and things like that um, to, you know, to, to try to convince Google that we're serious. Google has other ways of figuring that out with or without our links, which is not to say that like, if you have great links, like they are actually authoritative and useful and they're not, you know, spammy, awesome. That's great. That will likely help you anyway, but going after, you know, things that don't really um, also show user intent is unlikely to help your page in any way or your, your website. Um, I think one of the other things to kind of think about too um, is that keyword volume is becoming less important and behavioral analytics are becoming more important, that it matters more that customers, um, like what are customers actually doing? How are they doing it? How can we do more of that? That's really important. And that's something that we need to tie back into content we produce as marketers. Um, and what I mean by that is it's a bit of a corollary to the question of um, user intent being understood through NLP, but given that customers are trying to solve actual problems, to the extent our content really helps them with that, that is going to help us actually communicate with them. And then of course it helps us build trust and there are a lot of other reasons to do that. But from an SEO perspective, both the customer and Google want that same outcome. So if you are 
you know, off in the wilderness doing something else, you're just not going to achieve as much success as if you aligned with what the customer really wants, which Google is also trying to serve. Um, the other thing that I think is uh, is worth talking about a little bit too, and, and this gets into some more, um, uh, you know, controversial depending on your, your viewpoint. Again, I think there are probably SEOs out there that would disagree, but I, I find this theory to be very um, compelling. And it's one um, that I've heard uh, Rand Fishkin talk about around inferred links. And, you know, if you um, search for him or listen to some other podcasts, I think you can hear him speak for it. So I won't, um, I won't um, directly uh, quote him. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a fascinating topic because it really makes so much sense, right? It, it's the idea that instead of having direct links that try to show Google um, that you are knowledgeable or authoritative or you know connected, which is effectively the point, Google has moved into something that, that again, Rand Fishkin calls inferred links. And I love the way that he described it, which was it's lexical references that connect topics and keywords, uh, maybe to a brand, a website, or a page. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense because again, it's it's the algorithms trying to emulate and approximate how humans work, right? Like we don't go to a website and say, oh, there's you know 15 links in here. This must be a good page. Like I'll trust the source, right? Like we read this information. Um, hopefully we consume it. We try to make a value judgment around whether we want to consider it, how highly we consider it. Have we learned anything? Does it help us you know, achieve whatever our goal was of coming to that page? So the algorithm in itself is also coming up with this too. And I think it relates to the, the last habit I'll just talk about, which is the value of long tail keywords cannot be underestimated. And again, I think it makes sense if you think about the, the whole thread that we're discussing here. That you know we're we're in a world where information has been democratized. People have access to so much more data and research and word of mouth and all sorts of other resources that they didn't five, ten, certainly twenty years ago. And in our world today, when you go to uh, search for something, you know, lots of times, depending on what you're searching for, that result might actually be in a non in a non-click or a zero-click search too. Um, and some of the data I've seen says that something like 50% of searches today are zero click, um, which is incredible. And it tells you that if clicks are decreasing because you can get that information in other ways, and Google is really more of a, a pass through in some cases, it really matters um, that you're in a place that is actually significant to the user and not just something that is noisy. Like again, that large TAM um, keyword that may or may not be useful is, you know, quite possibly not the place for you. And this assumes that you're not in a, um, you're not obviously like a huge corporation with a long history of something. You may have a different, um, you may have a different reality because of your domain authority, et cetera. But if you're a smaller business or you're a business fighting for, um, you know, a, a competitive category in which you don't have a lot of prominence, like these are things to think about. Um, and then the last topic I wanted to just talk about today was around um, video. Um, and I won't get into it too much. We'll save some of that for another day. But, you know, video is just fascinating to me. I'm, I, you know, I think we all spend some time on YouTube, maybe some of us more, more or less than others. Um, but it's, it's certainly a known fact that Google increasingly prioritizes video content uh, in its search results. And you can, again, search for most terms. And if there's a relevant YouTube video, you'll see that prioritized um, on the page. 
And so I think that's also an area that I see as an opportunity for a lot of companies that, that they do not seem to be following for whatever reason. Um, but if you're looking at resources, instead of just investing you know, in a blog, um, certainly not in you know, generic short form content is not worth your while. Um, but what might be worth your while are meaningful videos that actually, again, answer a problem, show someone how to do something, teach your users, not things that are ads or feel like ads overtly, um, but real information um, can just be uh, tremendously helpful. Um, particularly if you're interested in doing how-tos, I think that's just something to keep in mind um, that the you know they, the Google really prioritizes how-to videos in, in search results right now, and so that's um, it's worth your while uh, to consider if you're building content. So. Hope I've given you some things to talk about today. I know there, there are a lot of things we talked about. And just as a, as a recap, we have to really think about this world that we're in, that the future of SEO is you know, bringing um, users closer to the information they want. And for us as businesses to be relevant to that, we have to really be closely aligned with customer intent um, and really understand those pain points and try to help people solve the problems they actually want. If we continue to be focused on ourselves, it's highly likely that other competitors are going to beat us to the punch because they've gotten closer to the actual answer the customer wants, not just the, the, the product or the solution that we're trying to pitch ourselves. So hopefully this gives you something to think about, and I hope you have a great week. Thanks. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review. We'll see you soon.